morning. You can open your Bibles to Matthew 25, page 33 in these uh, NIV church Bibles. Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who, had, who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he, who ha- and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, good morning, everyone. Let's uh, pray and then we'll have a look. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that we gather like this because you have the words of eternal life. Your word is spirit and life. And we pray that as we hear it, we may be able to see what you are saying so that we may believe it and that we may obey it and experience your life in us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You should have an outline. And uh, as you've noticed, the outlines have been fairly long. Uh, It's just to make sure that people don't get lost because we're doing a bit more of a topical kind of arrangement. Um, So don't worry. We won't um, go much longer than two, three hours. Um, That should be uh, good for you all. We're finishing off our series in stewardship. So right at the top there of the outline, probably the most amazing words. uh, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. So there's only one person in the world who can say that, and we are so glad that it's Jesus that can actually say that. He says, I'm coming soon. So this life is not the end. It's not what life is really all about. It's simply part of life. There's a much bigger reality that is coming, and I will reward uh, each person according to what they have done. So what we're looking at this uh, Sunday morning, we're looking at the fourth aspect 
of our uh, stewardship. And that really is simply as it's captured there on the, in the bold. Every person will reap what they have sown. So God is just. God is fair. Uh, God will give you what you have done. Isn't that right? So in this life, you get lots of opportunities. You can always change your mind. You can change your life. And uh, you can turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God will reward you for that. Isn't that amazing? He provides Christ and then he rewards you for actually doing that. Or you can live your life your way. You can live in luxury, in splendor, in wonder, and without God. And he will give you what you deserve uh, what, with what you've done with his stuff. So God is very fair and immensely gracious, isn't it? There's an interesting thing. How could you be fair and gracious at the same time? So that, those kind of stuff, I'm sure, is running through your head. So that in Galatians is kind of summarizing it. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, to please himself, will from that reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So, I mean, it's very simple, straightforward. Um, ultimately, life uh, is, in that sense, very fair, because we often feel life is unfair. And the story is even a little bit unfair, because people get different gifts uh, according to their abilities, and yet God, um, in His grace, will judge each one according to what He's done with what He's been given. Um, and that's what we've been looking at um, and God has given us Christ, which is the great thing. So there is a kind of the summary again of the stewardship thing. Uh, remember, are you still doing it? Are you still practicing thanking God that everything is His? Time is His. Time is His. Do you thank Him that where you live and what your time is, is His? Lord, it's to your, for your purposes. Hmm. Difficult one, isn't it? If you hand your time over to God. It's not my time. It's your time, God. What I do in your time, it's important to remember. Don't interfere in my time. No, it's not your time. It's God's time. See how amazing it is? Grow in the joy. This is God's time. This is God's space. This is God's matter. Everything belongs to Him. Lord, thank you that I can know it. So know it, believe it, embrace it, uh, rejoice in it is really what we're talking about. Then we've spoken about responsibility, and we'll come back to that uh, at the end of this morning. Is Now, this is what are you doing with knowing that everything is God's? So how are you a, a responsible in working, caring, sharing of everything that God has delegated to you for His purposes according to His wishes? So there's the great thing that uh, we'll come back to uh, again. Last week we looked at the whole idea of the accountability. And uh, I heard a number of people woke up during the week uh, in the middle of the night thinking about the sermon. So I'm very glad that it was that effective. Um, hope that you will do some further thinking. Uh, hopefully it stirred some thoughts. Um, but here it's basically just saying that God will uh, judge according to our faithfulness with what we have known and believed. Uh, and then today we want to look at the whole idea of reward. So what is difficult in doing this is you can never separate these four things from one another. You can distinguish them from one another. They're the kind of the, I almost want to say they're the page, the four sides of a page in which you can color in or paint in. You need to understand that those four things are always together. God's, uh, God owns everything. I'm responsible. I'm accountable. And there's reward. Within that framework, we can live. 
Uh, we as human beings can actually live and move and have our being, as we would say. So this morning, what we want to do is we want to highlight this whole idea of reward. Um, and it all is going to happen on the one same day. So that's why I've got there in your outline the day of accountability, the day of judgment, and the day of reward. So they all happen in one go in this parable. So just quickly, let's run it through so you can see it. So accountability to the master in chapter 25, verse 19. He says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And each one of them then gives an account to him. Master, you've given me five bags of gold. I've gone out and I've made five more. There's an accounting. Other guy says, master, you gave me two bags and I went out and worked and I made two more. And the third guy comes and he says, Master, uh, I have dug a hole in the ground because I think you are a harsh, unkind, ruthless master. And uh, here's your money back to you. So they all gave an account of what they have done. The master judges each one of them. For the first two, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. And he says that in verse 21a and verse 23a. That's his judgment on their accounting of what they did with what he gave them. All right? It's quite simple, straightforward. The third one, he judges your wicked, lazy servant. Verses 26 and 27 of the chapter. Now, it's important for us to realize this, and this is where it gets a little bit confusing, so you need to listen carefully. Are you awake? All right? Judgment is according to deeds. All right? For it reveals who and what a person has believed, and it confirms what you've believed. All right? That's the general statement. Now, what is interesting when you look at these two, these two faithful guys, they accepted the fact that what was given to them wasn't theirs. They accepted that that meant that they had to use what was given to them for the benefit of the master. They then acted in the light of that, went out and made double what was given to them, Um, And then they actually give an account. So they lived in the light of what they believed and had known. And their actions proves that. Is it? Can you see that? You've given it to me. I acknowledge it. I accept the responsibility. I go and I act in the light of that reality. So I've both known and believed it. The third servant, the unfaithful servant, well, he is judged for laziness. Now note that very carefully. He did nothing. He is not judged because he didn't have a big result. He is judged because he did nothing. You know that? The master says, if you have taken my money and given it to a banker, and I've had a little bit of increase in interest, I would have been happy. Because that meant you did something with my money. You see how interesting this is? He is unfaithful because he did not act in the light of what he knew and what he believed. So his behavior showed you that he's unfaithful. So it's not about how much you make. It is are you faithful with what has been given to you? You see how important that? I take it, I said to somebody else in the week, if I had to retell the story to make sense for modern people, I would change it quite radically to cover all the possible scenarios. I wanted to say that if God gives you five talents and you go out to try and make five more and you lose all five, 
then he would still reward you for faithfulness. Because it's not about how much you produce at the end. It is what are you living out based on what you believe you have been given. Can you see that? Very important. Do not think it's about how much you make in that sense. It is about how faithful you are to what you've been given, whether you make anything at all or not. Does it make sense? That's good news, isn't it? Very good news to understand it like that. And here's the reward from the master. So we had the day of accountability. Then we had the day of actual judgment. And now we have, what do you get? What's the reward that you get? And yet Jesus tells us, servants one and two, he says the same thing. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 21b and 23b. The third servant, the unfaithful servant, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. Accountability, judgment, reward. You see that? Quite simple and straightforward. And yeah, why? Why does he do that? Well, he tells us in verses 29. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. For whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So if God has given you something, and you're actually not doing anything with it, well, then he will take it away from you. If God has given you something and you have it, then he will give you more. And once it's actually, that's how it works in almost every area in life, isn't it? You have a bit of knowledge and you use it, you actually get more. You have a bit of knowledge and you don't use it, well, you'll lose it. Whether that's your muscles or your mind or your anything else. So it's very straightforward, isn't it? It's not complicated. And there's a couple of other passages there that I've referred you to. Luke 16 picks it up as well. He says, if you've been faithful with little things, then you will be faithful with important big things. If you were faithful to, with somebody else's stuff, then God can entrust you with your own stuff. So this life really is a training ground for faithfulness. It's God's stuff that he's telling us to look after. And then he says, if you can do that, if you are grown up enough to look after somebody else's stuff, you'll be grown up enough to look after your own stuff. It's really weird, isn't it? And that's how we actually train our kids. We give them a couple of things that they can do, and as they become more faithful, they say, you know, you're getting ready for one day looking after your own stuff. And the same principle, isn't it? It's nothing out of the world or weird or funny or bizarre. It's really just very, very straightforward. You see, so God judges us by our faithfulness to what he's given. So does that make sense? Is there anybody that's confused at the moment? If you are, write it down, wake up Wednesday night, and phone me if you need to. Or phone somebody else, all right? But phone somebody. Phone a friend, all right? Phone a Christian friend. So this is just very simple, straightforward, isn't it? That God is saying, I want you to be, grow up in faithfulness. I want you to become mature, in other words. That is what he's often. That's what this whole parable in one sense is all about. So what I want to do for the rest of our uh, ten minutes that we can have together is to look at further important details concerning the rewarding of 
Christian faithfulness on the day of judgment. All right? Without Jesus Christ, you toast. Every single human being has failed to be faithful to what they know and believe. And on that basis, the judgment day is very clear and straightforward. Everybody on that basis will be condemned. Okay, let's, let, let's test drive it. Anyone here can put up their hand and say they have been 100% faithful to everything they know and have believed. Hands up. So you're sitting here, in the light of the scriptures, you agree that you deserve condemnation. Based on have you done faithfully everything you should have done with what you know and believe. The only way in which you can stand at all is because God has given us Christ Jesus. So on that day, that great judgment day, that is going to become crystal clear for the entire universe. That you either did believe in Jesus Christ and you grew up in him, or you lived your life yourself. We're back to Galatians chapter 6, what we read up front. It's quite simple, really. It's not complicated. And it's a fantastic message to take out to your friends and your family members and everybody who thinks that they, because they know a little bit of good, they should be okay on the judgment day. Because it ain't going to be that good on the judgment day. Very important to get that straight. And settle that in your mind and your heart. Now the Bible tells us something further. Now that's what I want to talk about this morning for the rest of our time. How does God judge Christian faithfulness? Okay? We now know how he's going to judge those who don't believe in Jesus Christ at all. All right? That's gone. Revelation tells us they go and throw in the, in the lake of fire that never is quenched. All right? How does God judge Christian faithfulness? There's another level of judgment. All right, you with me? Implication-wise, not everybody, not everyone, not all Christians are going to be actually equal in heaven. Now I've got your attention. Good. So let's have a quick quiz. 2 Corinthians 5.10 for the main idea. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Context, Paul is writing to Christians. All right? And he's saying all Christians are going to come before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you look at your notes there, judgment seat of Christ is a little bit of a, hmm, not such a great translation of the word. The word is actually bima. Now, a bima is a podium. Corinth was well known for its athletics championships. And so the bima was the podium of reward or the podium of victory. It's what we would call first, second, and third. It's our podium. So here it's the victory podium of Jesus Christ. So every single Christian that has believed in Jesus Christ is going to stand on Jesus' podium based on his work. That's good news. You've got it. Every Christian will stand on Jesus' victory podium because he has had the victory. You've got it? 
All right. Yet not everybody's going to stand at the same level. Right? So you'll be judged by your good and your bad. The intrinsic good motives and things you've done and the results as well as the bad motives. The inconsequential things that you've done with your time while you're on earth. All right? So there's good and there's bad. All right? You've got it. Now, let me take you to some other passage and we'll come back and try and fill up the loop. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 to 15 gives us a little bit of a different thing. I want you to introduce to you the reality of what he's talking about. I'm going to be quick. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise or a master builder and someone else is building on it. Now here it comes. But each one should build with care. Why? For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We just say that. There's only one foundation on which you're ever going to stand in any good sense before the judgment seat of God, and that's if you stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ. All right? You've got that? But now be careful how you build on that foundation, he's saying. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So there's one foundation, Jesus Christ. And how you live your life based on that foundation will be measured on the day of judgment. And if you've wasted your life, then you've wasted your life. Then there's no reward. If you have actually lived faithfully, well, then there's reward. Amazing, isn't it? God is fair. Isn't that right? Look at one... John 2, 28, just to give you a slightly different angle. So you can have rewarding or you can lose. What are you losing? You're not losing your salvation. Right? You're standing on the podium of Jesus Christ. All right? Now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Implications? You can be terrified and ashamed. On the day that he comes. Because you know that you have not lived faithfully in the light of Jesus Christ. True? Very important to get this. So I'm going to now run through the whole thing again in summary. Right? We're going to go back and then we're going to go forward. And I hope you get what is really going on. Now listen, bullet form. All mankind is under God's wrath, sin and death, for by nature, naturally, we don't do what we know and believe to be good and true and good. All right? Happy with that one? We established that. Second point. God in his love and grace gave Jesus Christ to this world. Through him, that is through his perfect faithful life, death and resurrection, there is salvation from God's wrath, from our sin, from all our efforts for a better life without him, and eternal judgment for everyone who believes in Jesus. Here's the gospel message. All right? Now, this means that he restores believers to a right relationship with him 
and with everything that is his, which is everything. So everything now, I'm, because I'm re- reconciled to the owner of all things, I also start to change my relationship to all things. Does it make sense? Because it's his. I belong to him and everything else I touch belongs to him. All right. Next one. Further, this faithful Jesus will reward those who believe in him on the day according to their faithfulness in believing and intentionally obeying him, using all his stuff, which is everything, and his gifts, both spiritual and talents, for his glory and purposes while they were here on earth. Does it make sense? He will reward the good and the bad. Well, that will be seen for what it was, a wasted and lost opportunity for relating to and glorifying Jesus Christ, which is life. So here's the good news. Say all of us have a million actions, all right, in life. I mean, it's, I know it's probably more than that, but I'm just using it as an example. And in all the opportunities that you could act faithfully out of the gospel, you do 500, 500,000, right? Good ones. And 500 other you waste. Then God is not going to say, oh, you did 500,000 good ones, 500,000 empty, useless ones, so we'll just subtract everything from you and you end up with nothing. He's not going to do that. He's going to reward you for the 500,000 acts of faithful obedience. And these ones you will know you've missed out on. Make sense? If you've done 800,000 good ones, then he will reward you for the 800,000 good ones, which he's given you the grace to do in the first place. Now, that's a good deal. God gives you grace. And then what you do with grace, he rewards you for. Who wants to work for that master? Isn't that amazing? The scriptures actually helps us to realize that now we have an opportunity to actually grow in faithfulness. And Jesus, I'll reward you for that. I won't punish you for the failure because I've taken the punishment for it. This is my podium of victory, of reward. I will reward you for what you've done with my grace. The faithful exercise of my grace in your life, I will reward you for. Is that incentive for you? You want an incentive? Other than Jesus? The Bible seems to know that God even gives us those kinds of incentives. And so here it becomes. The more I hear and see and believe the good news as it is in Jesus for everything as I go along, the more I will have energy and hope and able to obey by growing in faithfulness to Jesus in everything as I go along. Does it make sense? So the reason why we don't get excited about living more faithfully is because we don't think it actually matters. And God says it does. I'm saved. Well, I hope so. I put my life into Jesus' hands about 1,500 years ago. I'm sure it's going to be fine on that day. It may be. But what will you have? Lord, you've given me all this grace, all this time, all this space and all this matter, 
And I decided I will live for myself. And Grace says, I'll still have you as my child. You'll be saved as through fire. I mean, they'll smell the smoke on you. I mean, that's like me. Isn't it? That's what he's saying. You will be saved, but as one just, just escaped the fire of God's judgment. Is that how you want to stand before Jesus Christ for His grace? Just think about it. Aren't you ashamed? You should be. We all should be ashamed that grace we find so cheap, we think it doesn't matter what we do with it. And yet grace, He says, I will reward you for that. I mean, that's insane. Who gives you everything and then what you do with the gift, He rewards you for it. Hands up. Who raises their kids like that? I give you everything, and then what you do with what I give you, I will reward you for the good that you do with it. There's nobody like God out there. Not even close. Isn't this good news, people? And so, yeah, bottom line issue, quick. What matters is that you grow in faith and faithfulness in Jesus Christ, expressing itself in love. That's probably the simplest, most straightforward way of stating it. Is every act you have, does it come out of faith in Jesus Christ unto the expression of love towards others? Because everything I have, my time, my space, and my matter belongs to this great God who has given it to me and has forgiven me for failing to live up to it. He's given me His Son. And on top of that, He's given me grace. And now He gives me this time, space, and matter to show forth His glory. And every time I do that, He'll reward me for it. Good news. Looks like bad news to most of you this morning. Maybe you are aware that you've wasted an enormous amount of your life on frivolous stuff. Not glorifying Jesus Christ, not thanking God, not obeying Him, not seeking His kingdom, not trying to find other people to come to Christ, not being generous, not investing into the kingdom, investing in your own life. How, could, how can we invest in ourselves if this is the God that we serve, that has come to serve us? There will be shame on that day. Weird, isn't it? But good. And there's a whole bunch of verses on the back end that kind of just nails this whole thing. Where your heart is... Your heart will show where your treasure is. If your treasure is in heaven, if your treasure is in God's kingdom and in God's righteousness, then you will invest in that. That's simply what Jesus is saying. So what you lay awake about at night will tell you where your treasure and your heart is. Is it about your finances or is it about the kingdom and the righteousness of God? Simple. Is it about your kids or is it about the kingdom and the righteousness of God? Hopefully because they are not in the kingdom and they're not righteous. Then that's fine. Or is it about something else? Where your emotions are, where your heart is, that will show where your treasure is. It's either on this world or it's in the world to come. It's either in the kingdom and the righteousness of God or it's here. And I take it for us, most of us say, yeah, near. We oscillate between those two things. And God says, I want to set you free. 
to become more concerned with my kingdom. The next one, 1 Timothy 6, 17-19, this is simply, for the rich, they must not be arrogant, which is what happens when you're rich, and I'm really talking to almost 99.9% of the congregation here, you're rich. Even if you think you're poor, you're rich. Don't be arrogant, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Does God want me to enjoy the things he's given me? Absolutely. Does he want me to live for those things? Absolutely not. Command them to do good and be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up a treasure for who? This? Themselves. As a firm foundation for the coming age so that they will take hold of that of life that is truly life. Isn't it weird? Jesus wants you to use your abilities, your money, your time to invest into the kingdom for yourself. Isn't that weird? Could have think it through emotionally. That includes all our gifts, so that's why I included 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11. You can go and read that. Whatever gift God has given you is not for you. The gift is so that you may serve others, so that they may know how glorious God is. You see how it works? You've got an ability to make money. Make money for other people because that is glorious to God that you can do that. Do it for His glory, helping others. If you are very good at serving, then serve others for the glory of God so that when they ask you, why are you so kind and so serving? You say, because Jesus Christ is great. All the gifts are for the benefit of others to the glory of God. Whatever they may be. Now get on with it, He says. And knock yourself out because that is also storing up reward in heaven everything that you use for God's purposes through Jesus Christ becomes reward 2 Corinthians 9 6 and 8 well the one that uh, we looked at last year in a bit more detail whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will reap I mean we've been talking about it the whole morning same thing over and over and over do not give because you feel you're reluctant do not give because you feel the minister is putting pressure on you or your Christian friends putting pressure on you. Do it because you know in Jesus Christ what I give here is actually rewarded there. Amazing, isn't it? And then, lastly, look at these two verses right at the end. How's your being in God's grace in Jesus Christ going? Look at how he says, Watch out that you do not lose that we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded. Oli. Like the language? And listen to Paul as he ends his life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Don't you want to be able to say that when you lie on your deathbed and everybody around you is worried about you and you're worried about them because they've got to keep on being faithful and you're going home? Don't you want to be able to say that? I have run the race. I have thought through every opportunity and I have decided by God's grace to put His word into effect. 
Lord, here I come. Ready or not? He's always ready, isn't he? Jesus says, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what he's done. In Christ Jesus, you get forgiveness for eternity. And on top of it, grace to be used in liberal sharing and spending. And all you will do is you'll increase your own glory and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't lose. Nothing that you give away because of Jesus Christ, you can lose. You will get it back double. Isn't that weird? Let's thank God for his goodness and ask him to help us to get over ourselves. Heavenly Father, we thank you. This is really so bizarre that you could be so good, that you could be so kind, that you could be so amazing, that you forgive us because of your son's perfect life, his willing death, his powerful resurrection, the outpouring of his spirit. That's what you've done for us. For every single one who comes and recognizes, I am in deep, 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 deep trouble because I have known so much and yet I have done so little and I have not been faithful. And you say, come and I'll forgive you. And on top of that, now I'll give you time and space and matter to bring glory to me through my son. And I will reward you for that. Lord, I must admit that it's so amazing. It's actually hard to believe it could be true. So we do ask you, open our hearts, we may see your glory, your splendor, your wisdom, your goodness, your power. Forgive us for our reluctance and for our selfishness with your grace. Help us to become liberal, generous. Joyfully so, increasingly so, Lord. Set us free. Open our fingers, Lord, because we are trying to hang on and you are trying to set us free. We bow before you with thanks and joy. We ask that your spirit will stir in us real faith, real faithfulness in the Jesus Christ ever increasingly. And we pray this in your name. Amen.